Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another edition of the Locked On Blue Devils podcast here on this Thursday. We're getting closer to the Final Four. Duke men's basketball is about to play in the 13th Final Four under head coach Mike Krzyzewski, taking on there are rivals, the North Carolina Tar Heels. It's been a really fun week breaking down every single aspect that you could possibly think of. And I cannot wait to continue that conversation today with one of my very good buddies, Ryan Lohman, at the Duke Nation on Twitter. He's been on the show uh, on this big run for Duke basketball. I like to think those things go hand in hand with how well Ryan's done on the podcast. And I had to bring him over on the version uh, and now we're on YouTube, so now we get to see Ryan's face for those watching <laughs> us. And uh, if you're listening to us, we appreciate that as well. So, Ryan, thanks for uh, joining me again, man. Man, this is fun. This is a great time of year. It's it's awesome to see that this run has continued, and I'm I'm ready for Saturday. Let's let's get to it. <laughs> I, I can't wait. It's uh, it's finally here. It's wild that this rivalry is going to be played. That the Duke team will have one chance here this year for revenge at North Carolina after kind of spoiling the final home game. I know that their hashtag trending on Twitter uh, from our Locked on Tar Heels host was hashtag grew in a retirement party. And Locked on Tar Heels is trying to create a hashtag ruin another retirement party. We don't (laughs) want that to happen. We want Duke to come out on top. So talk to me about just uh, the weekend for you, Ryan, when it started to become real that, oh, my gosh, this is actually going to happen. They're going to play one another. Walk yeah. us through your thoughts. I have a lot of beef with Purdue fans. Let's just put it that <laughs> way, man. Uh, when Purdue had no business getting beat by St. Peter's. No, I mean, even we can go back to Kentucky having no business. But uh, Purdue was our last chance to avoid this matchup, in my opinion. Uh, Carolina has big guards. They have decent defenders uh, at the guard position. And so you knew it was going to be a tough one for the Cinderella story to continue. And the fact that Purdue just laid an egg, they have a seven foot four center and, and Edie down low, and he couldn't get anything going against their tallest guys, like six, nine, six, ten, and uh, disappointing there. But once it kind of came to fruition, it was like, I didn't want to accept it right away. I was like, this can't be happening. There's no way that Duke and Carolina are going to face in the tournament, let alone the final four in coach K's last season. And then after like an hour or two of me like sulking and being mad, I was like, all right, let's do this. Like we get to have revenge, hopefully, uh, to, to, uh, of coach K's final game in Cameron indoor stadium. And I think the pressure's turning a little bit to North Carolina, especially after the amount of pressure that was on Duke in that first game. I think the pressure's shifting a little bit that they they're playing with house money, but there is some stuff after that game on social media and between the coaches and, uh, the pressure of, like you said, the trendy pick right now is Carolina. So. I don't know. I think it'll be a good one. I'm going to be real. I'm certainly not as active in the Duke Twitter space as you are, Ryan, and you've got such an amazing page. I want to give a shout-out to Ryan Lohman here. He went over 28,000 followers. And (laughs) if you're watching us on YouTube, you could see the handle right there, at the Duke Nation. So make sure you give the page a follow as well. This entire week, though, in my kind of Duke Twitter corner, I had entirely forgotten about the Chris Carwell kind of blow by handshake and how dare me. Cause that was huge. <laughs> it was. Yeah. And I think that brings a lot to it. And Nolan Smith with the look away handshake, like he was a part of that too. Um, 
yeah, and Hubert Davis making some comments after the game about it, and then you have the social media interactions between Theo John and and Caleb Love, and and then Armando Baycott jumping into our good buddy Zion's uh, DMs, calling him out, saying this was his fault, and so um, I, I don't, I, I the, the pressure around this game is a lot less, I feel like, than the than the Coach K and Cameron one, just because, like I've said plenty of times this week, it's. It's the media attention that was surrounding it. It was everybody watches ESPN for sports. And so since the game was broadcasted on ESPN, it was every single commercial you saw Coach K's final game. Like they were pushing it, obviously, for ratings and for good reason for Coach K. But And we're just not having that this week. It's not everywhere you look. It's Coach K's last game at Cameron, Duke, Carolina. Like right now, it's it's really only – you're not going to see much from from the – from the big Twitter heads and the, and the talking heads like Stephen A. Smith and, and Kellerman and all those guys on, on the big, on the big wig network. So like, I like it. I think it takes a lot of pressure off our guys. It's it's as tweeted out earlier, it's business as usual, and it's time to get to work and, and get a little revenge. Yeah. The team by this point has now been in new Orleans. They've had some practices at the Pelicans facility and they're getting ready for the final four on Saturday. They will be the second game. When that game tips off, the winner of Duke, North Carolina will know, for a fact, are we playing Kansas or are we playing Villanova in the national championship game? With all of that being said and kind of looking at uh, the conversation going into the week and what we've heard, here we are on this Thursday. Josh Cox joined me on yesterday's program, and we were kind of talking about the idea of this sort of narrative shift, Ryan, and I know you're well aware of it. You're speaking to it a little bit there that it is Coach K's final, Ryan. But when we look at the first weekend in Greenville, South Carolina, the trendiest of upset picks, it didn't matter whether it was Michigan State or Davidson. It was a really trendy pick for people to pick the opposition for Duke. And then there's no way they're going to be able to beat this Texas Tech team. And, oh, my gosh, that defense for the Red Raiders is amazing. Gonzaga's going to take care of them in the Elite Eight if they were to get there. Gonzaga's not there. Duke wins their best game of the season or of the tournament in the Elite Eight with the victory over Arkansas. And now all of a sudden the conversation is, this Duke team's really good. They're playing their best basketball. No kidding. We've said all year that it's the most talented team in the entire country. It's just kind of wild how now it's kind of shifted to, well, this is what you expected. Yeah, I love that. And it, it seems to happen to Duke teams a lot. Like, we just forget about what happened during the season. Like, it's not like this team didn't beat Gonzaga. They didn't beat Kentucky. Like, this was a good team. This team was one of the best offensive teams in the country. And we get to the tournament, it's like, oh, if they go up against a good defense, they're done. Like, they're going to lose. Or if they go up against a good three-point shooting team, they're going to lose. Like, Coach K has been great for so long because of his his ability to prepare and make adjustments. And he did that with Michigan State being a decent three-point shooting team. Granted, Davidson probably would have been a more of a, a better threat from three, which we lacked uh, three-point shooting defense throughout the ACC tournament and against North Carolina in the last game. So, like give this team a full week of preparation like we had against uh, Cal State and, and Michigan State and then up to Texas Tech, full week of preparation. And and you see what this team is capable of. And that's kind of where my confidence lies right now is the fact that this team got is going to have six days to prepare. The media and the alumni aren't crawling around campus. And uh, Coach K is going to have a chance to look back at that uh, second Carolina game and say, hey, where did we go wrong? We didn't defend the three ball well. We didn't depend, defend high ball screens very well. Mark Williams got eight up uh, on, on the switches there. And so if we can, if we can mitigate those issues, I, I'm, I'm a little too confident going into this game on Saturday. I can't wait to see the game. I, I'm getting the confidence rising as well, and you've given us your confidence rankings as we go into NCAA tournament and ACC tournament weeks, and I don't want to get that number just yet. We're going to save that <laughs> for a little bit later. We're also going to talk about the McDonald's All-American game 
That happened a little bit later in the week. We've got a lot to discuss on today's edition of Locked On Blue Devils. I certainly appreciate you making us a part of your Thursday. I want to talk a little bit. uh, Maybe we'll be a little nitpicky about this Duke basketball team. Some areas that might concern us, room to improve, and, and things like that when we come back in just a moment. Today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils is brought to you by our good friends over at Stat Hero. Stat Hero this time of year is what you need to be knowing about. It's the NCAA single game pickums that pit the star players against each other in an amazing hybrid between fantasy and sports gambling. Take control back from those handicappers that always seem to have the advantage. Start focusing on the players that you know best with a gameplay that doesn't rely on big spreads, long odds, or funky props. Stat Hero gives you the advantage resulting in their gamers winning four times more often. Why? Because Stat Hero eliminates the mystery about who or what you're going up against. You can sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on for a 100% deposit match. All you have to do is use promo code locked on. That's stathero.com slash locked on using promo code locked on for a 100% match. Stathero.com slash locked on promo code locked on terms and conditions apply. Our show today is also brought to you by our good friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is amazing. I can't say it enough. I love it. It helps me start my day every single day. All amazing flavors to choose from. These bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, as most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Welcome back into Lockdown Blue Devils here. JJ Jackson alongside Ryan Lohman at the Duke Nation on Twitter. Give him a follow there and thank you for watching us on YouTube. If you're watching us on YouTube, please like this video, subscribe, share it with your friends. All of my guests are so great about sharing our content and I'm so grateful for that and give them a follow as well. It means the world when you take the time to do that. So Ryan We look at the Final Four. We look at the NCAA tournament run for Duke. And going into the Arkansas game, I had a couple of buddies, Josh Cox being one of them, who I mentioned this on yesterday's show, ask me, what what do you think going into this matchup? What's something you would like to see? And it's tournament time. So my brain is so accustomed to knowing that the three-point line is going to be a big-time max factor. And Duke had their best performance of the NCAA tournament and only made four three-pointers, the first of which they had to wait 18 minutes into the second half to knock it down. I mean, how has this team been able to be so successful without shooting the three ball? Yeah, in my opinion, it's the consistent play of Mark Williams and Bancaro and the, and the ability for them to attack uh, these defenses, the, these really good defenses in the paint at the rim. Bancaro has been the most aggressive. I've, I've seen him play since, since the Gonzaga and Kentucky times. Um, he's, not hesitating. He's taking good shots. He's not forcing much. And I I think the decision-making on his part and Mark Williams obviously has just been an absolute stud. So uh, I I think that's going to be a huge matchup going into Saturday night with UNC is that Armando, Armando Baycott and and Brady Manic matchups with Williams and Van Caro, they're going to have to continue to attack and and not rely on that three point shot because a, it hasn't been falling a ton. They they haven't shot terrible. They're just not taking a ton of them either. So uh, I think if we can get Van Caro and Williams to continue to be aggressive, and and get uh, get Williams some lobs like we have and get him out in transition a little bit too, I think uh, we'll be in a good spot. That's been one of the biggest things for me this turn. It's not necessarily that, wow, they made 
four threes against Arkansas. Well, Duke only attempted 10. They made four of them. 40% is a really good clip that any coach in America would take if you're looking at season numbers and uh, honestly some game-by-game numbers and that sort of thing. But the fact that they're not shooting as many threes, I asked you the question, and oftentimes when I'm watching the game, it just feels like Duke can get a two-point bucket just as easily, so let's go to the rim and do that. Yeah, and I think a big part of that is what what Jeremy Roach has brought to this team from a point guard standpoint and a floor general standpoint. He's he's dribble driving a lot, either getting fouled, making tough shots, or he's getting the defense to collapse on them and finding the open guy in Bancaro, Griffin, or, or Williams, really, uh, and Wendell Moore, obviously, as well. But I, I think the fact that Jeremy Roach has kind of stepped up his play in the last few weeks has brought this team to, to a different level. And if he can continue to do that, uh, there's not really a guard that I'm scared of uh, from the defensive side in RJ Davis or Caleb Love that could stop him from from getting to the lane and, and finding those open uh, shooters. When I talk about Duke basketball, being pessimistic is something that I do not like doing in life. I don't enjoy doing that either, but it's just something about the ball going up in the air. In the Texas Tech game, when you do hear the narrative going into it about the defense being so elite and Texas Tech starts the game on a 10-2 run, You can't help sometimes but to be just like, oh, my gosh, here we go. Are we really about to be in this? Now, with all that being said, this week on Locked on Blue Devils, and as the Duke community talks about this game, it has been a rather positive conversation because Duke is favored by four points to beat North Carolina. They are uh, having the best odds, thanks to our friends at BetOnline, to win the whole thing of the four teams remaining left in the tournament. But if we were to look at a couple of things that need to be improved, one of those things that I'm not seeing people talk about, Ryan, that honestly surprised me when I looked back and looked at the numbers, in every single game so far in the tournament, Duke has turned the basketball over more times than their opponent, and yet they're 4-0 so far. Yeah, that, that – that stat is scary, but I feel like, and I, I don't have numbers in front of me to back it up, but I feel like a lot of that is is occurring in the first half before adjustments are made, um, which still fair point. Like teams, a team like UNC could go out on a fifteen to two run like that if if you turn the ball over on them. So that's not to say that it's not something I worry about, but I think the adjustments at halftime that Coach K has been able to make uh, to to nip those in the butt early has helped. Uh, I think the other thing I'm I'm looking forward to is just not letting Caleb Love get confidence beyond the three-point line. Like That's something that I'm worried about. Our three-point defense has struggled at times this year, and especially when it counted against UNC. I mean, even against Syracuse, it struggled, and against Virginia Tech, it struggled. So um, that worries me a little bit, but um, not letting this team go on runs. And like you said, the turnovers, if we have turnovers um, the way we had in a few of those first halves, it could get ugly real quick. And and we were letting teams come back. We saw it against Texas Tech. We saw it a little bit against Arkansas where we'd pull ahead by 8, 9, 10, 11 and let them right back in. You get a four or five point game. And teams like UNC who are better offensively than Texas Tech and uh, and Arkansas are going to take advantage of that. And those seven to two runs turn into 12 to two runs and it becomes a whole different ball game. The three-point line can always be the greatest equalizer. It's cliche, but it's so true, and we've seen that in this tournament run for Duke because we talked about Duke not taking three-point jumpers, and yet Duke has still crazy efficient shooting numbers. But with that being said, if your three-point defense isn't up to par, it doesn't matter how great your two-point buckets are because math is math, Ryan. Three is greater than two, and that's going to be something Duke's got to work on. Yeah, that's for sure. And I think my my other big thing when it comes to that is they have 
very streaky shooters. It's not like Caleb Love. Had, I mean, he's he's been a decent shooter all year, but we saw him in that second half against against St. Peter's. I think it was St. Peter's, the game where he just he lit it. Or was it? I think it might have been UCLA where he lit up in the second half for twenty seven points out of his thirty points. Were in the second half, I think that was UCLA. UCLA. But you you don't want a guy like that to get going, and, and it'll cost you. It costs UCLA. UCLA was in control of that game. They had a, a lead for the majority of the second half, and Caleb Love got hot and basically shot them their way to to the Elite Eight. And so if if you want to hint at some that I'm scared of most, it's it's that, especially because Caleb Love's been the one jawing the most from their side uh, when it comes to the, the social media trash talk. So I think if we can keep him in check, Brady Manick, sure, he, he can light it up a little bit, but I, I like the Bancaro matchup, especially with the defense that Bancaro's been playing this tournament. It's on a completely different level than what it was at the beginning of the season. Uh, Mike Schmitz at ESPN always gave him like a C or C- minus on the defensive rating, and I always kind of laughed at that because we knew his potential, and I think he's improving that rating uh, throughout this tournament. And, and if he can keep on Manick and we can keep Love in check, this game should be uh, in Duke's favor. Last thing to point out here before we get to our final break, and we're going to talk about the McDonald's All-American game. And at the end, I got to get the confidence level from Ryan as we get set (laughs) for uh, the final four coming up. But you look at basketball, and I don't know that necessarily nitpicking would be the way to look at this, but three of the four games this tournament run, Duke has out-rebounded their opponent. The one exception, Texas Tech did a greater job on the glass. And Coach K, after the Arkansas win, was praising Mark Williams for the nine defensive rebounds that he had and was talking about the importance of kind of taking away possessions. And when I heard that at first, I'm sitting here thinking like, yeah, we rebounds most of the time they're going to come on the defensive glass. Is it really that important? But then you do think about March Madness and how much you value every single possession. And if you do have your center doing his job in zone, when Duke goes to those looks where boxing out is a little bit more difficult because there's not a body always attached to you, in that regard, grabbing that ball to end the possession and give the ball back to Duke is so critical. In the North Carolina series, their monster win in Cameron Indoor, North Carolina won the rebounding battle 37-34. In Duke's win in Chapel Hill, however, Duke had their best rebounding performance of the season. They won that rebounding battle 40-24. to And if there is one thing that you know about North Carolina basketball, if you have grown up and you have watched at least one year of this rivalry, you know that no matter how good the team is, it could be a North Carolina team that's bound for the NIT or not going to the postseason play. They are still going to be one of the greatest rebounding teams in the entire country. That is something that Roy Williams was so good at. With all of that being said, how big is the rebounding battle in this one? Yeah, I mean, you said it best, man. It's huge, and I think it gets even bigger with the magnitude of of Mark Williams has been playing like a lottery pick for the last two weeks in the NCAA tournament. Armando Baycott has been obviously phenomenal this year. He was a potential uh, <clears throat> ACC Player of the Year front runner for a little bit, and some still say he he should have won it. So those two going up against each other. I, I don't want to say it comes down to it, but whoever can win that battle on, on the on the glass, especially because we all know this, like you said, if you've watched any sort of Carolina basketball over the last two decades um, and, and seen them play against Duke, they can run like hell. So if, if you can limit, though, if you can keep yourself to get second chance points, but limit them from getting out on the break quickly on those defensive rebounds that they do gather, uh, it's huge, man. And like I said earlier, the runs that Carolina can go on, if they're hitting threes and getting out in fast break, those will hit you real fast in, in a minute or two. So I think the glass is, is really where this game starts and comes down to. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to bury the lead. I, I'm feeling confident about the Stoop team going into the Final Four. 
But with that confidence still comes a load of nervousness, and I'm starting to feel it as we get closer to the game. Again, a Thursday <laughs> edition of the program. So we're going to take one final break. When we come back, we're already looking to the future. The McDonald's All-American game a little bit earlier this week, and several Duke Blue Devils stood out. Ryan gives us the breakdown of that in just a moment. Hey, folks, want to tell you about our good friends over at Athletic Greens. It's an amazing product that I've started to incorporate in my everyday life. I started taking AG1, and it has been remarkable. It's lifestyle-friendly, whether you eat keto, uh, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything while also tasting good. It supports better sleep quality, which I'm always looking for and recovering. It's going to support mental clarity and alertness. It's the one thing with the best thing. Athletic Greens uses the best of the Bose products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com college. Again, that is athleticgreens.com college to take ownership over your health and to pick the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Final segment here today on Lockdown Blue Devils, J.J. Jackson hanging out with Ryan Lohman at the Duke Nation on Twitter, and we're getting set for the Final Four coming up this weekend. We love that that is uh, the world that we're living in, that Duke's got a game to be played. However, earlier in the week, if Duke was not still making a Final Four run, I'm sure more fans would have been aware of the McDonald's All-American taking place, uh, actually having the event be played after a couple of years of COVID-19 stripping us from getting to see a top showcase of the 24 best high school players in the world. However, Ryan Lohman is so great because even with Duke on this Final Four run, he makes sure that all things Duke basketball is something that he consumes. So what kind of give me a breakdown of what we saw in the McDonald's All-American game. Yeah, man, it was a great way to like pass the time this week to, in order to get our mind, I mean, kind of off of the game. They didn't mention it a ton. Uh, they mentioned it a few times, but it, it was fun to watch. Yeah, we had we had three <clears throat> three incoming uh, recruits that were participating in the game. We had Mark Mitchell, Derek Whitehead, and Derek Lively the second. Um, Kyle Filipowski could not make it due to eligibility concerns and reasons, but all three of our guys scored in double digits. We had uh, Derek Whitehead won MVP. I think he dropped. I think it was. I can pull up the stat here. It was 13 points and seven rebounds. Um, so he played phenomenally. He had seven assists as well. We had Derek Lively who had 10 uh, 10 points, four rebounds, and three blocks. And you want to talk about going from a Mark Williams to a Derek Lively and <laughs> at the five? That's like a cheat code, man. I I mean. The, I, I'm not saying anything about what Derek Lively is going to be in comparison to Mark Williams, but at this point, let's just say it's not fair to the competition that we get to go from one to the other. Uh, if we in back-to-back seasons, once uh, Mark exits after this year and then, Mark Mitchell, who was on the opposite side, I think he was on the East team, uh, put up a game high, tied for a game high with 19 points and three rebounds and just kind of showed off his athleticism. He had a few dunks, uh, just really good overall player. 
And the thing I, th- I, I mean, this isn't a hot take or anything, but um, I'm, I'm really high on Mark Mitchell, but, but Derek Whitehead's kind of the one and everybody's kind of been eyeing him. He's number one in a couple of things. He's won a couple of national player of the years. There's so many rankings. There's so many awards this, uh, with, with these high school guys that you can't keep them all straight as to who's number one and who's the actual player of the year. But um, Derek's a very, very well-rounded player, really good defensively. He will replace whoever it is, Keels, Griffin, Moore, whoever you want to put him in his place. Um, we're not going to go down the route of who's coming back or not yet, but um, just a stud. He played in the three-point shootout the night before. Um, he, he didn't win. He got second on the men's side, but, dude, his stroke is so pure. I'm so excited to have him in there. And like I said, to have a guy like Lively the second come in and replace Mark Williams is going to be something that you don't see every year. You mentioned Mark Mitchell being on the losing side of things, but still had 20-plus points in the contest which was outstanding. Uh, Derek Lively had a couple of big dunks and uh, looked very reminiscent of what we've seen from, from Mark Williams over the years and, and, and Derek Whitehead being so special. What's also been fun to watch with this Duke basketball recruiting class is we'll throw Kyle Filipowski into the mix as well. For the longest time, recruiting services, as you're sort of alluding to, have varying opinions on how these guys rank and that sort of thing. And it didn't matter what service you looked at. They were constantly shifting the top three. And all three were Duke signees when you're talking about (laughs) Filipowski, Lively, and Whitehead. Like, that's a good problem to have. Yeah, and I think the beauty of it, though, is like coming into next season, this team outside of the faces from a talent standpoint and a skill set standpoint is going to look very familiar to – to this team that we have this year. If Roach comes back, he'll be running the point. Uh, two guard, if we have Derek Whitehead, he'll be he'll be kind of like a, a Wendell Moore, A.J. Griffin type. Uh, those guys could still come back. You never know. But um, you have the Lively, who's replacing Williams, and you have the Filipowski, who's replacing Bancaro, who may not be as athletic and um, as much of a – well, he, he kind of is a deep threat too. So, like, it's just they're different types of styles when it comes to the stretch four position. So, um, we're just kind of kind of be replacing – the talent we had with the same style of talent. So I think that's what makes me most excited uh, uh, with John Shire's incoming class. And then we have Jaden Shutt, who's coming in as a four-star, who will be a lights-out shooter, hopefully, um, and can provide some minutes off the bench. So uh, I'm excited. And Mark Mitchell takes the spot of Keels or or Griffin as well, but uh, just another three or four that can can stretch the the floor. Let me follow up on something there, because I'm glad we brought up Jaden, who's going to be one of the the new members of this Duke recruiting class. And I went with the same pronunciation that you went, Ryan, until I made the mistake of talking with Brendan Marks of The Athletic, who quickly told me that it's Jaden Shoot. Shoot, And that's just all the more fitting because he is the (laughs) best shooter in the class. right? And so now once I heard that, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be able to remember that when we're watching him shoot three-pointers in Cameron Indoor Stadium. So, yeah, Jaden Shoot, man, I can't wait for him to join the fun. Yeah, and this team, and it's it's really hard to like talk about next year's team and be and like we don't need to because we're in the final. <laughs> we got game, yeah, we got a big weekend coming up, and I did, I've been doing it since since the game's been going on. But this team next year is going to need shooting. They're they're going to lose a lot of scoring, but they're obviously they we lack a little bit of shooting this year. And next year we don't have much coming in besides shoot and and Filipowski uh, and, and Derek, but they're not like, they're not locked or knocked down shooters like shoot is. So like if we can pick up another guy like shoot, um, but he's going to be key if we can, he, he's a, a big time shooter. I think him and Filipowski were at some NIBC 
shootout uh, this this week as well. So seeing them compete in that three point shootout was fun. Uh, but yeah, man, we're gonna need shooting, and and it's fitting that a guy with the last name shoots gonna be the one to come in and provide it. I can't wait to watch it. I can't wait. And you're right. The the roster obviously has to go through some more construction, and you got to figure out which guys are gonna come back versus uh, go on to the next stage of their. Um, college careers. I don't necessarily know that people want to walk away and transfer from Duke, but you never know. And it's yep. certainly guys making the decisions from pro and chase their NBA dreams. I'm already seeing this week as well, uh, John Rothstein, as amazing as he is on top of all the transfer portal news and a lot of those guys breaking down schools that have reached out to these players. Duke's name has popped up a couple of times and I'm just like, I don't know who any of these players are. It's not time <laughs> to worry about any of that. And then there's still the looming possibility as well that should Jeremy Roach decide to take the next step or even still without, uh, if he were to come back, there's still an outside chance that Caleb Foster in the 2023 class wants to reclass and enroll a year early. So uh, once the season comes to a close, Ryan, basically what I'm telling you in the coming weeks and months when you come back on Locked On Blue Devils, we are going to have um, a ton of storylines to discuss together. Yeah, and hopefully that's topped off with, hey, we just came off a national title run. <laughs> how, how do we do it again in yes. Shire's first year? Um, so I, ho I hope that's the case. I'm looking forward to it. But I'm so glad that our off-season conversation got to start later this year than it has in the past few years. It, it makes it so much uh, more enjoyable to uh, watch these Final Four games and also not just be like always constantly looking at the future as a Duke fan. We haven't been able to do it since 20, uh, 2015. So it's nice to, to sit back and enjoy this Final Four and not dread having to see who gets to take home the trophy the time is now ryan i gotta hear how you feeling going into the weekend as uh, duke looks to uh win in the final four and find their spots in the national championship game come monday yeah the, the confidence has grown throughout the week i think the more i think about it right now i'm at like an eight seven five probably i'd say i, I want to get to nine oh, really bad but there's just there's so much that this carolina team can hurt you with um but i'm very confident and i think the thing that I'm looking forward to a little bit after this game is over, whether we win or lose is how does the team that wins this game on Saturday night respond on Monday? Because there is still a lot of hype around this game. There's going to be, I mean, it's, it's going to be huge. There's going to be 70 some thousand people at the Superdome watching this game. It's very emotional. It's North Carolina's Duke. It's, it's biggest rivalry in sports arguably. And so how this the winning team responds after just such a big game you don't want to see a letdown that next game so since i don't think i'll be able to join you before that game when duke wins on saturday night i'm just I, i'm looking forward to and hoping that they come out on monday with just as much fire because they're not done both either team that wins is not done after saturday night yeah i'm, I'm hopeful that the next time we're talking we are recapping a national championship victory for the Duke Blue Devils. We can certainly follow all of your coverage at the Duke Nation on Twitter. Why don't you give us a little rundown if people are new seeing your face for the first time in the YouTube world as we've made the transition over there. Tell us a little bit about the page and what you got going on. Yeah, man. I just I, I pump out content as content comes to me, man. So we we I also host a show called Crazy Twitter Live uh, where we stream on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, you can find us anywhere on there. And uh, basically, we're, we're going to try to do a UNC Duke preview, hopefully before this uh, this game on Saturday with maybe a couple UNC guys in the mix. Uh, but other than that, man, just follow the page, get to get to know me, get to know get to know Duke fans more. We're a fun community, so uh, check us out. All right, I appreciate the time, man. Enjoy the games this weekend, and I'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Appreciate you, JJ. Take care, man. 
All right, that's Ryan Lohman joining me here today on Locked On Blue Devils, and that's going to bring another edition of our podcast to a close. Thank you so much for listening and making Locked On Blue Devils your first listen, getting so close to game day. Tomorrow is one day prior to the game being played, and coming up on tomorrow's podcast, we're going to have a special crossover edition with Isaac Shade, the host of Locked On Tar Heels. That's going to do it for today's show. As always, go Duke. I'll talk to you tomorrow. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.